2: Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.
3: Locked On Podcast Network presents Locked On Sports Today.
4: The Western Conference has its newest big three as Bradley Beal is headed to Phoenix. Phoenix. Will this move get the Suns where they want to go? Also, we take an in-depth look at Victor Wembenyama and golf was at its finest on Sunday. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports today. Searching all major sports.
3: Found Let's start with the biggest story.
4: Do the Suns have a new big three? Phoenix certainly hopes so. Bradley Beal in the mix. Now Chris Paul out the door. Joining me now, Brendan clean from locked on Suns. and Brendan. This was a team that made a huge move in the middle of the year last year to go get Kevin Durant. They come up short though. They did take two games off the champion Denver nuggets. So now they go get Bradley Beal and they send Chris Paul out in as part of this trade with Landry Shamit and a slew of draft picks Uh what do you see as the intent here? What is the goal with Bradley Beal? What's the fit?
1: I think the goal was to get a better supplementary cast around Devin Booker and Kevin Durant based on what we saw in the offseason or in the postseason when both of those guys were great. Booker even better than Durant, which I think yeah. goes into what we saw tonight and or today in, in terms of making him even probably more of a focal point as a creator. But the, the goal was to get better stuff around those guys. And when you look at the environment, it does not seem like teams similar to last summer when he was restricted a restricted free agent are very high on DeAndre Ayton, willing to offer all that much on DeAndre Ayton. And so you had a situation where if that's not going to result in much of a boon for your team and, and roster building, Chris Paul, the conversation as recently as last week, I think the last time I was on this show with you was about cutting him outright. If you look at all of that, pick swaps, the Suns might not even have to give that up in this Bradley Beal trade because they're probably going to have a better pick than the Wizards. Second round picks, take them or leave them. Landry Shaman is a player that has not been very good for the Suns since they traded for him two years ago. You zoom out and it's like they turned a lot of their flotsam and fluff into an all-star player. And you can imagine a world in which they got two guys or three guys or four guys that theoretically fit a little better, maybe cost a little less, maybe a little more balanced. But in this particular case, I think they would have been silly not to explore it. And when the price tag ends up being so small, despite how crazy this salary structure is going to be and everything else, I think it's probably the best move that they could have made to upgrade the roster given what they had to work with.
4: There was some reporting around uh, what Bradley Beal wanted in all this. In fact, you and I went back and forth on Twitter about this because Chris Haynes reported that the Suns would be willing to give up DeAndre Ayton, but that the preference from Bradley Beal was that Chris Paul be in the deal. What do you make of that?
1: Yeah, I think it's the power of a no-trade clause, right? I mean, I don't know how much the Wizards really wanted DeAndre Ayton. I, You know, I, I think it's... Somewhat similar, it's reminiscent to me of the Brooklyn situation with Kevin Durant. Where all last summer, you know, Suns fans were like, why can't they just get it done with Aiton? And they're just posturing, they'd be fine with Aiton. Brooklyn should just take him back. It's not that big of a difference between him and Mikael Bridges or whatever other formations there may have been. But after multiple rounds of this guy being available in free agency and other trades now in this series of negotiations, I tend to think it was more so coming from that side of things. Now, from the Wizards' standpoint, I also sort of get that. I I, I feel like the Wizards would benefit more from just a reset rather than a big, bloated contract for what might be a more promising young player. But is he a difference-making, rebuilding centerpiece? Probably not. So I think this was the best Suns package that the, the Wizards could have gotten. Was it the best overall package? Probably not, but Bradley Beal had the the say in the end. He had the final vote on all of this, and what he wanted was to go to the Suns, and that's why we're here.
4: Yeah, that's, that's the power of a no-trade clause. Quickly here, Brendan. Uh, I understand when you have the opportunity to bring in a player uh, on the level of Bradley Beal, you just say, okay, we'll figure it out. We'll figure yeah. it out, even if the fit is a, a little, I wouldn't say wonky, but... It, there's there's some questions now about who's going to be the playmaker, who is going to create for others. Who's the point guard on this team? Who is going to be the creator?
1: Yeah, I think the point guard is Devin Booker. And I think one of the things, maybe not full-time, maybe not the only guy that does that on this team, but... I think in crunch time that will be what happens, and I think in a way the Suns pivoted to a more modern inception of this team at the same time by doing this deal. You know, Chris Paul. It's it's great in theory to say we need to replace what he does. The reality is in the modern NBA there just are not a lot of those left. That's not how point guard is played. It's, he's 38. He's he's not from this generation, and the guys that are from this generation don't play like him. So there wasn't going to be a reality where the Suns somehow got another Chris Paul back they decided to go ahead and get somebody who can shoot, score on a secondary action and, and maybe play point guard off the bench and just different things to make their team better. And I think that's what people will do. Stay up to date all year on the Phoenix Suns by subscribing
4: to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Suns on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, one of our hosts on the Ultimate NBA Mock Draft got an in-depth look at Victor Wembenyama. Before we get to that, a prominent sixth man of the year is calling it a career. Baseball season is in full swing, and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to join today. The Astros are still recovering from being swept at home by the Reds, and now welcome the Mets and Max Scherzer to town FanDuel likes the Astros to stop the skid and has their odds of winning at minus 130. So don't miss your chance to snag a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to fanDuel.com slash to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball.
3: If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today.
4: Lou Williams announced his retirement on Sunday. Williams made his mark in the NBA coming off the bench over a 17-year career. The 36-year-old Williams won three Sixth Man of the Year awards tied with Jamal Crawford for the most in NBA history. He played over 1,100 games in the NBA. He started only 122 of them. He still scored an NBA record 13,396 points off the bench, which is over 2,000 more than Crawford. Williams played for six teams, the Sixers, the Hawks, the Raptors, the Lakers, the Rockets, and the Clippers. And in the spirit of Father's Day, he revealed the decision in a YouTube video narrated by his daughter. The Charlotte Hornets are still deciding what to do with the second overall pick. They're expected to conduct a second round of workouts with former Alabama star Brandon Miller and G League Ignite's Scoot Henderson on Monday. In attendance will be none other than the outgoing owner, Michael Jordan. Miller and Henderson are offering Jordan his first in person assessment of the two prospects vying to be that number two overall pick. Miller reportedly remains the front runner, but Henderson had a strong workout and meetings with Hornets officials last week went well, according to reports. We'll see on that one. The Pittsburgh Pirates are calling up 2021 first-round pick Henry Davis. You have to go back 45 years to see a player who was called up with less development in the minor leagues.
2: From what I can find, with 421 minor league at-bats, Henry Davis will have the fewest at-bats of any number one overall pick to reach Major League Baseball since Bob Horner in 1978, Bryce Harper, Alex Rodriguez, Alex Chipper Jones, Ken Griffey Jr., Daryl Strawberry all had more minor league at-bats than Davis. So that is some company to be in, Mr. Henry Davis. Derek Shelton says Henry Davis will be up tomorrow, obviously. Jason DeLay and Austin Hedges will be staying. So they will be carrying three catchers. So I don't foresee that we're going to see a lot of Henry Davis at the catcher position, at least right away. I do think Henry Davis still has some work to be done on calling a Major League Baseball game behind the plate. I don't think that his bat isn't ready. His bat is going to be inserted into this lineup probably tomorrow, and it is going to be lovely.
4: Elsewhere on the diamond, the Cincinnati Reds, yes, I read that right. The Cincinnati Reds are the hottest team in baseball. They're in the midst of an eight game win streak after sweeping the defending World Series champion Houston Astros on their home turf. Woo, that's eight wins in a
0: row for your Cincinnati Reds. Sweeping the Houston, yes, yes, yes. Wait, wait, wait. I said that right. Sweeping the defending World Series champion, Houston Astros. Absolutely beautiful performance. This team is good. The Cincinnati Reds are amazing. Guess what? Joey Fato comes back tomorrow. By the way, this is Jeff Gar from the Lockdown Reds podcast. Amazing road trip for your Cincinnati Reds. Eight and one. I, I, I don't even know how to follow that up. This team is so good. The way that they came back, the way that the Astros took the lead early and the Reds were like, don't care going to come back going to win this ball game extra innings sweep the defending world champions at their home place let's go
4: and the Chicago White Sox got an amazing performance from their starter but could not support him in a loss
0: to the Seattle Mariners the Chicago White Sox lost to the Seattle Mariners 5-1 to on Sunday hey I'm Nick Murawski from Locked on White Sox the Chicago White Sox lost the finale. They lost the series. They have now lost three series in a row. Uh, sack starter Lance Lynn uh, was just a beast on the mound on Sunday. Sixteen strikeouts uh, ties a team record. Uh, who would have thought that from a guy uh, hovering around seven ERA coming into the game? Uh, Sacks bullpen failed him. Ronaldo Lopez. Uh, allowed a ton of traffic and some late runs by the Mariners. Uh, Sox dropped to 11 games under 500, but are still just five and a half games back in the AL Central. Uh, They host the Texas Rangers on the south side for a three-game series starting on Monday. For more, check out the Locked on White Sox podcast.
3: There is another story you need to know
0: our locked on nba hosts put together
4: the ultimate mock draft where each one of our local hosts makes picks for their team analyzing each pick is one of the most knowledgeable nba prospect people on the planet locked on nba big boards rafael barlow
3: now Raphael, you went all the way to france so watch wemby play in person you have insight none of us have what makes him so
5: special one, he needs to be special because on my wedding day in Paris, me and my wife went to watch Wimbayama play later on that evening. Yes, we got married. (laughs) What? We got got married at the Eiffel Tower and it was like at 6 a.m. in the morning. So that was the only way to make sure that nobody was in our our photo shots. And the game started at 9 p.m. So I was like, hey, you know, there's this kid. um, I think he's going to be like a generational talent. You want to go watch him play? My wife was like, "Okay, sure. So we go to the game. And um, he picks up like two fouls in like the first eight minutes. (laughs) But luckily, a year later, I went back to Paris to watch him. He had two good games. And then maybe like three or four days later, he had the big showcase against Scoot Henderson in Vegas. So now my wife thinks I was projecting (laughs) way ahead. So (laughs) um, if he ends up being like the superstar everybody hopes he is, then my wife can tell people that on my wedding day, I watched Victor Wembanyama <laughs> before everybody heard of him. But now uh, he's seven five. I mean, he's 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 special. I mean, he's worth all the hype.
3: Raphael, your wife is the real goat. I can't believe you're letting us call you the goat. That yes, woman I, was not, watching yes. basketball on her wedding day. <laughs> what?
5: Yes, yes, it's a true story. It's a true story.
3: I love it. That's the dedication you get here on the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, Isaac, switching gears to something that's been a big talking point going into this year's draft. When you're looking at the top pool of prospects, this isn't necessarily a draft. where We're going to see a lot of college programs featured in the top five. There's now this growing pool of international players, also the G League, rolling out the G League Ignite program a couple years ago. How has that
6: impacted the collegiate ranks? Well, Kylan, the day I got married, I went to the G League Ignite fight. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> let, let's look at this like maybe from a lottery standpoint, going back to 2005. That's when the 14 team lottery started in the NBA draft. Since then, it's been 18 drafts. We've had no fewer than 10 college players drafted in those first 14 since then, and only twice was it that few, 2005 and 11. This year, as you guys know, and probably anyone watching, we're projecting to have like four of the top five picks be non-collegiate players with Brandon Miller, probably the only college player in that top five. In fact, here's how rare it's been, Kylan. In 18 years of that 14-team lottery, we've averaged just 0.6 non-college players drafted in the top five and never more than two before this year. But to your question, how has it impacted the college ranks? That's a—it's a great question to ask because people often want to talk about, you know, the downfall of college basketball because of external forces. And there's always going to be those, whether it's um, high school, G League Ignite, overtime elite, New Zealand, or you know, like new threats like now having three two-way contracts on NBA rosters. The college game has proven to be resilient, thanks to coaches thanks to names on the front of the jerseys thanks to rabid fan bases that want to see their schools play college basketball my friends is alive and well here's what i'm watching though over the course of these first three episodes of our draft are we going to have the first ever time when there are single digit college players drafted
4: in the lottery got to see if leonard millard can slide up into that top 14 we'll find out Catch every pick of the Ultimate NBA Mock Draft by subscribing to Locked On NBA on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Coming up, the U.S. Open did not disappoint.
3: If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast.
4: It wasn't everyone's favorite U.S. Open. At least the players didn't love it. Brooks Kepka, Victor Hovland, defending champion Matthew Fitzpatrick all took some shots in various forms at Los Angeles Country Club. Not necessarily just the venue, though not everyone was a huge fan of the venue. It was also a fan problem. According to one report, just 9,000 general admission tickets were sold. The balance were hospitality. They were sweets. They were people intense, not on the grounds, creating the kind of raucous atmosphere that have, has over the years defined U.S. Open play, especially in these big cities. But when it came down to it on Sunday, we still got the kind of golf we were looking for. It was a tournament that opened with two players not one, but two players setting major championship records, shooting 62 on Thursday. And it felt like, oh, here we go. LACC, LACC they were not up to the task. It was, a, it was a, a club that we'd heard all week. Oh, the guys have not, never seen this. Roy McElroy's never even played here. He, he's watching YouTube videos. This is going to be a disaster. And then guys go out and burn the place down on day one. And it was, well, sorry. But then by the end of the week, Ricky Fowler, what did he do? Just went in reverse. Xander Schauffele shot that 62. What did he do? He goes in reverse. But on Sunday, they still had the best players in the world chasing that title. Now, Wyndham Clark, he stared them down. The kind of story that we can get in a U.S. Open. Wyndham Clark does have a win this year. One at the Wells Fargo, but is not the kind of proven star player that he was in competition with on Sunday. Rory McIlroy, a multi-team major winner in search of that next one. Ricky Fowler, one of the game's most marketable players, looked like he had the opportunity to do something that is so rare, make a comeback and win his first major. Number one player in the world, Scotty Scheffler, he couldn't get it done. Ricky Fowler made the most birdies in U.S. Open history. He couldn't get it done. In every other U.S. Open in history, Rory McIlroy scored a par, would have won. It didn't because Wyndham Clark was nails. Face down, every test LACC and the field had to offer. And when it came down to it, his best was the best best. It was better than Rory McElroy, a legend, arguably the greatest player of his generation. It was better than Scotty Scheffler, the number one player in the world. That's what major championship golf is all about. And so for all the complaints, oh, it wasn't a great venue. Oh, the fans weren't great. Okay. But what I care about What the fans at home care about watching is that we get compelling golf and we got compelling primetime golf. That's exactly what LACC and the USGA and maybe most of all, Wyndham Clark gave us. And finally, talk about awkward timing. On Sunday, the Atlanta Braves had Charlie Culberson's dad set to throw out the first pitch for Father's Day. Just one problem. The Braves designated Culberson for assignment Sunday morning. Instead, Atlanta had Michael Harris's father toss out the first pitch. For what it's worth, there are so many ceremonial first pitches before a ball game; it's difficult to keep up, but can we keep it to one ceremonial first pitch, please? Podcast host, in Clouds here. Sorry. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up tomorrow, as we get into the thick of baseball season, who's at the top of the mountain right now so at least until tomorrow stay locked on sports today
3: hey prime members you can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on amazon music download the amazon music app today